Nobody in my family is a Christian. I'm sorry about that. Have you tried talking to them? Yeah, I was going to tell my sister about Jesus one time, and she was downstairs using the computer. So I went down and I was going to tell her about Jesus, but all that came out was, can I use the computer? I have a Bible verse about that. Would you like me to go get it? Yeah, that'd be a great help. Adrian! Did you hear that Kevin just wrecked his brand new Honda? No! Oh man, he had it coming! I knew this was gonna happen! He so deserved it. He is a terrible driver. He is awful. I think it's a bunch of when he bought that car. All he did was talk about that car all the time. It was ridiculous. I'm glad. I hear you on that one, uh huh? Well, anyway, I have that Bible verse for you 2 Timothy 4 2. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Okay. Amen. That's right. Once again, I already baited you for it, but we are in the exciting book of James. That's right. Go ahead and turn to chapter one. Hey, you guys are on the ball. Chapter one. Let's take a look uh, at our opening text here. We're going to read verses, I believe, nine through 12. Man, we're cooking now. Remember the days when we were stuck on like verse one for a while and two and three? Yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Was good stuff, man. Good stuff. So uh, we might get stuck in a few places, so to speak, when it comes to uh, the issue on temptation. There's a lot to deal there. But uh, once again, we're back in the book of James, chapter 1. And uh, let's take a look at what he's sharing with us today. Once again, verse 9 is the context there. He says, now, uh, the brother in humble circumstances, he ought to what? He ought to take pride in his high position. What? But, verse 10, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position. Because he will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, the acid test, he will receive. He's true. He's a genuine Christian. He will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Once again, as we've seen the purpose of this book, as we begin to dissect it, dealing with the timing of the book tells us uh, the aspect when you look at that and what's going on in the scripture is you're dealing with a test. James is throwing out an acid test for true Christians. Why? Because the church is finally going out uh, into the world and the last thing that God wants is a bunch of fake phony Christians going out giving a fake phony impression of Jesus Christ and a fake phony gospel, right? So James, inspired by the Holy Spirit, puts out the book of James and he starts to give us an acid test. An acid test of what, how do you know if somebody's true or fake? is really what it boils down to. And we saw before that the scripture is very replete with passages. There's a lot of people who profess to know Jesus Christ, but they don't. There's certain clues to look for that they very well might not be uh, saved as well. And that first acid test we've been dealing with, and one more time hopefully we'll begin to deal with, is the issue of trials. How does a person respond to trials very well could tell who they really are. You see, you and I, man, we could be fooled on the outside. Can't fool God. You might have learned that one yet. Maybe even the hard way. Yeah, he knows everything. Okay, and uh, but God knows everything. So he gives us, the church, the ability to kind of like, oh, I don't know, something weird's going on here. And that's with the issue of trials. Do you hold on to Jesus in your trials or do you literally completely walk away from Jesus in your trials? Okay, if you walk away completely from Jesus in your trials and say, that's it, I give up on Christianity, quote unquote, uh, the church, quote unquote, I become an atheist, uh, this is a bunch of baloney, or, or you say, no, uh, the Mormons got it right, or no, I'm going into this cult or that cult. What? Hey, the Bible says you were never saved in the first place. I don't care how long you were sitting in a pew, you had a false profession of faith. Again, J, uh, John says they went out from us because they never belonged to us. If they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed they never belong to us okay but we saw okay so that's your acid test they walk away they were fake okay god used trials to reveal their heart and they showed the true colors 
and hit the road, okay? And, uh, but we saw for the good news, though, in the context is for the Christian because we go through trials too, right? Anybody have any trials this week? Okay, those of you who didn't raise your hands, take heart. They're probably coming next week. Okay, join the club. And we saw the good news is, believe it or not, we can not just have joy, but the Greek literally says for the Christian, we can have this thing called continual joy. What? Yeah, it doesn't have to stop, not even one day. And James then begins to dissect, how do we do that? We saw, we do it by looking forward to the good in the trial. We let the good purpose be finished in the trial. We let God give us his good wisdom in the trial. We don't question his character in the trial. We don't question his ability to provide for us in the trial. And last time, we look forward to the good future in the trial okay the good future in the trial and what we've seen here in verses 9 through 12 is james is pulling the rug out if you will i believe on anybody left who would still as a christian even who would still say well you don't understand my circumstances i can't have this continual joy and be that positive commercial for jesus and james says uh uh-uh. and what we saw is he breaks everybody down into two categories he does it he says you got the poor christians And you got the rich Christians. We're going to deal with the rich ones uh, today. Okay, and we saw that even the poor. And remember it was tapinos in the Greek there. This guy literally means he's barely off the ground. This guy is at the bottom rung economically. He is low, 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 okay? And James says, listen, even though you might find yourself in this position, Christian, you should be excited that God put you, literally it says there, in this exalted position. Well, wait a second. I mean, I'm dirt poor. It's literally what it means. Dirt poor in the Greek. And you're saying this is an exalted position? Yeah, he says, because if you think about it, when you're poor, when you don't have much, you have a greater tendency to do what the scripture says to do, and that is to think on things above and your rich inheritance that's coming in Jesus. And if you do that now, you're filled with joy. You're looking forward to that fantastic, incredibly rich future. Okay, now he turns to the rich one, okay? Because believe it or not, even the rich, okay, if you think about it from a couple different angles, they too can have their excuses as to why I can't have this constant joy. Part of it, I think, is because they're the complete opposite of the poor, uh, dirt poor Christian. Uh, They've got so much that they're distracted from God. Okay, that's, I think that's easy to understand. Number two, believe it or not, with great riches, oftentimes it brings great misery. And we'll get to that, okay? Uh, it's not the panacea that the world's trying to get you and I to buy into, okay? But let me take a look. I'm going to explode uh, uh, verse 10 through 12 in the original Greek. It says this, But the one who is wealthy, let him be glorying in his humiliation, brought on by trials and resulting in his being reduced to the level of a man who is poor and afflicted. Why? Because as the flower of the grass, he shall come to an end, for the sun rises with its scorching heat, and the grass withers and is Flowers fall off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So shall also the wealthy person fade away together with his undertakings. Spiritually prosperous, though, is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Because after he has met the test, there's your test, acid test. After he's met the test and has been approved, he's a real Christian. He shall receive the crown, the crown that has to do with life, eternal life, which he, God, promised to those who love him, okay? The phrase there, but the one who is wealthy, or uh, other translations might say, but the one who is rich. Rich, wealthy is the Greek word, okay? Plusios, let's say that. Isn't that cool? Sounds like a new game from uh, Monopoly or something. Hey, Bob, come on over. You want to play a game Plusios? Right, eh? Or the last time you mowed your yard and you pulled your lower Plusios. Do you ever have that happen to you? You haven't either, especially here in Vegas. Praise God, we don't need lawnmowers. Isn't that awesome? I love that fake grass. Bring on the rocks. This, ooh. Anyway, but I digress. Uh, It's plusios, and it literally means this. Wealthy, abounding in material resources, abundantly supplied. This guy is the complete polar opposite of tapinos that we saw last week. Okay, the guy that literally is dirt poor. This guy is not tapinos, he is plusios. This guy is not dirt poor, just barely getting off the ground, the Greek says. This guy's way above the ground. Okay, this guy doesn't have any lack. The other guy had tons of lack. This guy is not at the bottom rung economically in society. He's at the top. This guy's doing very well. He's abounding in wealth. He doesn't just have wealth. He's abounding. It's overflowing. He's got plenty. He's got lots of supplies is what it's talking about. Okay, but again, with great riches uh, comes oftentimes great misery because what the world has done to even you and I in the church is to say this phrase and it's a lie. Life would be great. I could have that continual joy if I only had enough 
money. Right? And as we're going to get into later, Paul says, don't do it, man. You need to be content with what you got. God knows what he's doing. Rich or poor, listen, there's no excuse. Okay? And, and this is what we're going to see, okay? I think that sometimes it becomes an excuse why the rich can't have this continual joy. Again, because they say, I, I'm just so distracted with it. I mean, I, 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 I've allowed it to take away my joy because I've got so many things. I've got boats. I've got cars. I've got big houses. I've got all this stuff. And I, I just, yeah, you're right. I, I, I hardly ever come to church services. I'm so distracted with all these things. And I've amassed and I can't. And yeah, that'll zap you of your joy. Okay? That's pretty obvious. Okay? But it's still no excuse. The problem isn't the fact that you got a lot. The problem is what you're doing with it. And this aspect, you're using it to rob you of the joy. We'll get, I think, to the purpose of why God allows some Christians, yes, even Christians, to have great wealth. Okay? Uh, but the other thing is, believe it or not, contrary to what society would say, and the scripture is very clear about this, most of the time, the reason why so many, quote, wealthy persons, plusias, uh, are not filled with not just not joy, but continual joy, is because riches often bring misery. They actually bring misery. It's like the one guy, he made his first million. I think they asked him, well, uh, what do you want now? Another million. It's never enough. You bought this? Well, I want a bigger house. You got this? No, I need more. It just never stops. You're never satisfied. Right? But it also brings great uh, 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 misery as well, okay? And this is what James is trying to get to the rich person's head, the plusias. He says, listen, man, can money bring your loved one back from the dead? Can money prevent you from getting in a car wreck? Can money keep you out of the hospital? Can it give you unconditional love? Can it build in you a godly character? No. Can it give you a clean conscience? Can it give you immortality? Can it guarantee you will never have any problem or any sickness ever? There's all kinds of things that money cannot do. And one of the things is it cannot give you joy. But yet you listen to our society. You look at our whole economic system, which is combined, believe it or not, with our educational system. And this is what society is getting us to run after, not God. Society is getting us, Christian, to run after things on earth, not things in heaven. Jesus has stored treasure in heaven, not on earth. But our society's flipped it around. Because from we high, What's the mantra? What's the thing that they're training us for? Is the reason why you go to school, don't drop out, whatever you do, okay? Our founding fathers, the education of our country, the whole purpose of education was to equip yourself to serve other people in Jesus' name, to become a better servant of Jesus Christ. That was the purpose of our schools in our country, but not anymore. The purpose of an education, they say, is to get a better education to get a better job. And a better job is one which is in define, which is making a lot of money. Why do you need that money? So you can buy a bunch of things that you don't need to impress people you don't know who in the end don't even stink and care. And somehow that's going to give you joy. Our economy banks on you living like that. Do you know what one of the major sources of income for our government? Blew me away when I came across the pie charts. Student loans. It's great for the economy, getting us all in debt, following down this rabbit trail. I'm not against education, okay? I've been in secular college, Bible college, all kinds of stuff. I did 20, I don't know how many years I've been in, uh, probably overeducated, okay? <laughs> okay, uh, but, uh, so I'm not against it. But listen, that, that isn't what it's all about. If you want to get educated, you need to get back to the purpose. It's to serve other people in Jesus' name. It's not about just getting a bunch of cash to buy a bunch of things you don't need. But see, that's what we do, isn't it? Oh, if I just had enough money, right? It doesn't. Folks, I'm telling you, the facts are, most rich people, uh, 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 plusias, to that degree, it just becomes a great distraction or it be, brings great misery. And we know this, but we seem to skip over these stories. How many guys have heard the stories of the people who, hey, they won the lottery. And from that day forth, their life was absolutely fantastic. Okay? Doesn't usually work out that way. Maybe in some rare instances, but usually it doesn't. Because instantly, guess what? You just inherited a bunch of friends you didn't know you had. Hey, can you invest in my pickle factory? Please? Hey, remember me? I knew you in third grade. I saw you drive by my house on your bike one time. Remember me? Surely remember me? Can I borrow 500 bucks? Right? You inherit all this stuff. It's just, ah, right? Or you don't know how to financially use it, and you squander it away. I, my nephew tells of a story. One of his friends, he inherited. That's the other thing. Not winning the lottery. Sometimes people inherit a bunch. Uh, he had one guy, I think both of his parents, it's sad, you know, passed away, but he was left with a large, serious large chunk of cash. Large. He got the money. When he's 21, you know what he did? He came here to Vegas. 
brought all his buddies, including my nephew. And they partied, and they partied, and they partied. And I think he said that within just one year, he was broke again. His parents set him up that he could be very well off and taken care of for the rest of his life. And within one year, he blew it. Did it bring him joy? No. Okay. And we all know, see, if you watch TV and those exciting Hollywood entertainment channels, that all the rich and famous, all those famous actors and actresses, those sports heroes who get millions and millions of dollars, we all know that every day we see just how wonderful their lives are, filled with joy and peace and prosperity and, and just emotional well-being. And oh no, they've got more money than know what to shake, uh, stick at uh, and what's happening with their lives. Did it bring them joy? No, you usually got what? You got scandals, you got drugs, you got murder, you got uh, divorce, you got suicide, you got all kinds of rotten stuff. But I know, maybe they didn't make enough. You know, because maybe if they just had a hundred more million, then they could finally enjoy it. No, let me just drill the point home. Let's take a look at the nine, uh, the world's nine uh, richest men. And let's take a look at what happened to their lives. All right. The president of the largest independent steel company, Charles Schwab, Okay, he died bankrupt and lived on borrowed money for five years before his death. The president of the largest utility company, Samuel Insull, died a fugitive from justice and penniless in a foreign land. The president of the largest gas company, Howard Hobson, he went insane. The greatest wheat speculator, Arthur Cotton, died abroad insolvent. The president of the New York Stock Exchange, Richard Whitney, spent time in the famous Sing Sing Penitentiary. Uh, the member of the president's cabinet at that time, Albert Fall, was pardoned from prison so he could go die at home. The greatest bear on Wall Street, Jesse Livermore, he died a suicide. The head of the greatest monopoly, Ivan Kruger, died a suicide. The president of the bank, International Settlements, Leon Fraser, died a suicide. All these men, it says here, learn well the art of making money, plusios, but they didn't learn how to live, and might I add, they didn't have joy. And yet, what have we been trained to, Christians? to run after if we only had enough money. And this is what James is saying. Don't you dare go there. This is the other end of the spectrum. Don't you dare sit there and go, God, I can't be happy. I can't be that positive commercial for Jesus because I'm just dirt poor. Excuse me, he says. No excuse. Okay, God gives you, the, he tells you what you need to do. You need to focus on things above, not on this earth. We saw that last week. And now he tells the rich one, Listen, with great riches, yeah, sometimes comes great misery, great pain. It's a great distraction, but that's still no excuse as to why you can't have constant joy. And so then James now continues on, and just like with the poor Christian, he tells you what you need to do to maintain that joy. And the first thing he says to do, Christian, Plusios Christian, you need to be thankful that God has shown you this. This amazing truth that riches can't bring you joy. Okay, and I think it's because then you're finally in a position to start using them for a positive purpose. Okay, and this is what he says. Let him be glorying in his humiliation. Okay, this is what James is saying. Be glad, Plusios Christian, that God has put you into this humbling position to see this humbling truth. No matter how high and mighty you thought you were and how cool and awesome because you've got wealth supplied abundantly over. And so he says that he has shown you now while you're still here on earth that it can't bring you joy. You should praise God that he has shown you this truth, okay? Let him be glorious humiliation. It's kind of cool. The word there, humiliation, okay, is tapinosis, okay? Does that sound familiar? Yes. That's the verb form of tapinos. And so what's really going on here, it literally means to be made low. You're not just low, but this is the verb. You're to be made low. It's a play on words, that James is using here. He's flipping between the poor and the rich. James said to the Topinos Christian, the poor Christian, you're exalted because God has allowed you to see that you can have continual joy in him if you look on things above uh, and not on this earth, even though you're poor. And now James flips around. He says, oh, you the Plusios Christian, you should be glorying in the fact that God made you low, Tapinosis, to see this truth that riches can't give it to you either. The lack of riches, he's saying, or the abundance of riches is no excuse to not have joy. You should be thankful that God has shown you that now. Because how many people run their whole stinking lives thinking that riches is where it's at? And I'm talking Christians. Only to realize too late at the end of their life. What a big fat waste of time. I was doing a, uh, well I eventually did the funeral. Uh, in back when I was pastor in New York and there was this uh, gentleman I went to, to see in the hospital and he was dying. And um, up there, and he's, he's, this is it. 
and it's just a matter of time. And uh, he did go within a matter of hours. And so I got there, and, and he's making peace with God, and, and that's great and stuff. And uh, his family and kids, grown adults now, uh, were outside. And uh, uh, he said, you know, Pastor Billy, you know, I just ran my whole life, and I realized now that I've made so many mistakes. And he said, but could you go get my kids? He says, I know they hate me, but could you go get them? Because I want to tell them that I'm sorry. And ask them if they'd forgive me, and then I love them. Right? I'm going, man, this is awesome. Praise God. You know, too bad it took this long. Okay, but, but praise God for that. I go out there, and you know how many of his kids came in to say goodbye to their dad? None. Blew me away. And a little bit, I kind of lit into him. Excuse me? Listen, I'm not saying uh, that, I'm not picking sides or anything, but you need to understand, he's about to die, and you're going to regret this for the rest of your life if you don't go and make peace and at least get it out of your mouth. I love you, Dad. You're going to regret it. They still didn't do it. But by way of analogy, when I went in there, notice what he was asking for. Get right with God. Get right with others. That's really what it boiled down to, right? He did not have me go in there. Pastor Billy, hey, I'm so glad you're here, and I can't get out of this bed. And, you know, as you can tell... Um, but there's a window here. Could you open up that window? Because I just want to look at my brand new uh, Corvette one more time. <laughs> Come on, just one more time for a go. You know, he didn't say that. Did you know that? Did you know he says, hey, Pastor Billy, it's just right over there. I, I, I take it with me wherever I go. Uh, it, it's my checkbook, okay? Could you bring it over here? I can't reach this. It. It's a little too far away. Could you bring Because I want to see just how much I've got. He didn't say that. He said, would you go get my family? And before they says, I need to get right with God. How many times do we fall for the lie that that's not where it's at? We need to be thankful for what we got. And if we have a lot, we need to get busy using it for God. Okay? One guy, he says this. He says, there was this rich industrialist who was uh, disturbed. He was disturbed to find a fisherman sitting lazily beside his boat. And he says, why aren't you out there fishing? And the fisherman said, well, because I caught enough fish for today. And the rich man says, well, why don't you catch more fish than you need? And the guy says, well, what would I do with them? He said, you, could, you can earn more money. Uh, the rich guy's really impatient with him. He says, you, you could buy a better boat. Uh, you could, you could uh, go deeper and, and catch more fish. And you could purchase nylon nets. You can catch even more fish. You can make more money. And, and soon you'd have a fleet of boats and be rich like me. And the fisherman asked, well, then what would I do? And the industrial said, well, you could sit down and enjoy life. And the fisherman, he's looking out placidly out to the sea. And he says, what do you think I'm doing now? How the world gets us to miss out on what's important in life. What are you doing now? Is Jesus Christ the most important thing to you? Are you keeping short? I, I call it short accounts. One thing I've learned after doing so many funerals, after, first of all, never having a clue that I'd ever become a Christian, let alone pastor, let alone do funerals. But after doing funerals, it's taught me a very, I think, valuable lesson. Because you're, you, you're staring at eternity square in the face repeatedly. And that's this. Number one, keep short accounts with God. Number two, keep short accounts with other people because it ain't stinking worth it. Because one day, unless the rapture occurs, that's going to be us. And what was it all about? And I don't want to be one full of regret. I'm not saying it'll be perfect. I'm not saying there won't be mistakes along the way. But I say, you know what? At least I didn't get distracted from the most important thing. Okay? And that's what he's saying. Even with the rich, don't let these riches distract you from the most important thing. Okay, number one, if God is showing you this truth now and you are a Plusios Christian, first of all, don't let those riches distract you from your walk with God, which will give you joy when you have a tight walk with God, right? It's an act of his spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy. So when you have a tight walk with Jesus, you abound in that as well as love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. But don't uh, let it, you think that that is where you're going to get joy in and of himself. Where I think you're going to get joy from riches is not riches in them themselves, but it's what you do with the riches. Because has it ever occurred to you that maybe that's why God has made you into a Plusios Christian? First of all, Paul says this, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Turn there real quick. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And he says this is a warning, obviously. And if you find 1 Timothy, what do you do? Stay there, turn to chapter 6. Verses uh, 6 through 10. Okay, is what we're going to read. And the context here is the love of money. All right. And, uh, but when you get there, verse 6, say move. 
Got one moo, any higher moo, any more moos? One moo, moo, two moos? Moo, got another moo, okay, all right, we're good enough. All right, verse six says this, but godliness with what? Contentment, notice that's, I gotta have more, I gotta have more, it's not enough, I need another million, I need the bigger house, I need, godliness with contentment is what? Great gain, because here's the bottom line, guess what? You brought nothing into the world, and what? You can take nothing out of it. Job says the same thing, all right? But if we got food and clothing, how many guys got food today? How many guys got some clothes on your back? Praise God, I always say, because that'd be a serious distraction to the study. But anyway, okay, but anyway, I digress. Uh, food and clothes, okay, and we will what? Content. Right there, you should say, praise God, you are so good to me, Jesus. I got food today. I got, I got uh, 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 clothing on my back. This is awesome. He said, you should be content. People, listen, here's the, that's the positive side. Here's the negative side. People, Christian, the context is right to the church. People who want to get what? Rich fall into, the, into temptation and a what? Trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that what? Plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people, Christians, eager for money, have wandered from the faith, uh-oh, and pierced themselves with what? Great joy. No, many griefs. Many griefs there actually is the Greek word odune. Let's say that. Sounds like a Scottish car, doesn't it? Dude, I drive an Odune. Okay, but Odune is this. And it literally means consuming, not just grief, consuming grief, pain and sorrow. Paul says, what in the world, Christian, are you doing? God's supplied for you. Everything's fine. He's giving you what he says he's going to give you. Why are you getting on this track that you got to have more? He says, don't do that. Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you purposely go down a route now that's going to distract you, he says, from Jesus Christ and get unplugged from your source of joy? And two, you go down a route that's guaranteed to now not just give you once in a while, but consume you with great grief, sorrow, and joy. Why would you do that? It's insane. He says the flower of the grass come to an end. Riches come to an end, he says, James says. They, they come, they go, don't try to find joy in it. Then he says the sun rises with its scorching heat. The grass withers and the flowers fall off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. In other words, riches are here today, they're gone tomorrow. They not only can't give you joy, but they usually don't last that long. In fact, they can go just like that. How many people learned that the hard way at the last economy crash? Had a bunch, but overnight, the next time you turned on your TV, it was gone. They're here today. They're gone tomorrow. And so he says this, so shall also the wealthy person fade away together with his undertakings. I like that. Because I need another house. I need at least two more cars. Not to count on the boats and the, you know, Monster truck. You got to have a monster truck, dude. You might as well do that. And I, I need 19 swimming pools because I'm trying to beat the guy next door who has 17 pools. And I'm just going to beat him by one. I'm going to beat him by two. He says, listen, all, all, all that stuff is going to fade away. You can't take it with you. He says it there in the text. Job says the same thing. Naked I came from my mother's womb, Job 1, and naked I shall return. Stack in your coffin, do what you want, but you ain't taking it with you. And he says there, you're going to fade away together with your undertakings. Listen, all the buildings you build here on earth, guess what? They're going to crumble one day. All the edifices you build up in your name because you're so cool because you got all this cash. It's not going to last. It's going to fall apart. All the real estate that you bought one day, did you know 2 Peter 3 says one day it's going to be burned up? All your money that you eventually amassed just for yourself... Did you know that most likely somebody else is going to get that from you, be it the government or a loved one, and they're going to spend it all? It's not going to last. So don't put your joy in that. Be thankful that God has allowed you to see this humbling truth that riches are not where it's at, but you need to do something with those riches. Okay? He uses the word there. Next, he says in, in uh, verse 12, he uses the word there, blessed. Okay? Blessed is the Greek word, uh, makarios, and it means literally spiritually prosperous, but it has the idea of joy attached with it. It makes common sense, right? Because when you're spiritually prosperous, when you've got a great walk with Jesus Christ, what do you experience? Joy. So that's really what the word blessed means. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because when he stood the test, he's going to receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And this is what he's saying. Listen, through the poor, and, and the context, rich or poor, here in verse 12. Blessed. Blessed is the man. Doesn't matter if you're rich. Uh, doesn't matter if you're poor. Blessed is the man, okay, is the context. Because no matter what position you're in, God has still made you spiritually prosperous. 
For the poor, it can be the fact that God is going to use you in your poverty to be an amazing testimony for Jesus Christ. And that brings us joy, right? Number two, for the rich, okay, it could be that God wants you to use those riches to do something for his kingdom. Which brings you joy. Let me give you an example of that. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Uh, in fact, let's go, go ahead and turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Because as we saw before, as you turn there, uh, God, the scripture is very clear, is the one who gives wealth or takes it away or whatever. Okay? But there's a reason why, if you find yourself as a Christian and you got great wealth, he wants you to do something with it. And it's not to buy that 19th swimming pool. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Moo, I got to moo early. Woo, that's a pre-moo. I like that. Oh, moo. You're going to cry. Dr. Moo, oh, it's getting science fiction on me. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. And uh, let's we'll probably read more than that. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's take a look here. He says this, uh, generously. Why do you sow generously? Why do you need to be a person who gives generously? Well, I think he tells us the reason. Verse 6, he says, now remember this. Chapter 9, 2 Corinthians. Whoever sows sparingly will what? Also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly, not because you have to. Okay, not under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And listen, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will what? Abound in every good work. As it is written, he scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, he, God, who supplies the seed to his sower and bread for food will also supply, listen, what's the word there? Increase, Increase your store of seed and will what? Enlarge your harvest of righteousness so you can buy that 19th swimming pool. No, keep reading because he tells you the purpose of it. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in what? Thanksgiving to God. Did you ever think that the reason why God has made you into a Plusias person, let alone Plusias Christian, is because he wants you to become that channel of blessing to meet the needs in his name? You ever think about that? I tell all kinds of stories. I got, you know, uh, the Moody Bible Institute. You know how that uh, institution got started? If I got my story correct? There was four Plusios Christians, four wealthy Christian businessmen. It's not wrong to have wealth. It's what you do with it is what counts. And they funded that to get that thing going. It had to come from somewhere. That, and how many people were trained for ministry back in the day before things began to slide and, and, and going across the world in the gospel and all the what? Right? Jesus uh, gives the account of uh, who was it where he, uh, when he was on his uh, uh, ministry uh, tour, if you want to call it that, in his first incarnation, okay, for about three and a half years. Who was it the scripture says that helped support him? It said there, wealthy women, one text. The wealthy women of the city helped take care of his needs. They pitched in, right? I think that's what he's saying here. He says, listen, this should give you great joy. The reason why I'm giving you this, and in fact, in fact, I think that maybe my theory, why maybe... I'm not going to say all the reasons because I think God has a multitude of reasons why maybe somebody is not a Plusios Christian even though they're hoping, God, would you make me one of those? Uh, is because, you know what? He knows our heart. He knows that if he were, we wouldn't do what he wants it to do. And we'd sit on it and we spend it on ourselves. But I think some people, God has given that ability because he knows they're going to use it. Certainly take care of your own needs, but to be a channel of blessing for other people. Okay, and that's a privilege. That's a joy. I, real quickly, I, I, Acts. You got. You got to understand this. Uh, Jesus, uh, Paul, reiterating Jesus' words, Acts twenty verse thirty-five. In everything I did, Paul says, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak. Remembering the words of Lord Jesus Himself, it is more blessed to give than receive. 
Jesus says the exact opposite of what our society would say, what our society has trained us to think, that it's more blessed to give away your life than it is to just be about me and getting and getting and getting. It's the same word, blessed. It's more blessed. It's makarios. It's spiritually prosperous. If you live like this, you'll be spiritually prosperous with the idea of joy. How? When you become a giver, when you give away your life. And dare I say, not just treasure, but your time. Ooh, that's valuable, isn't it? I ain't got time for God. I ain't got time to serve in the church. I ain't got, excuse me? He had time to go down to Calvary for you. Excuse me? Your tongue, your treasure, your talents, everything. When you invest in that, it's more makarios. You're spiritually prosperous. All of it wrapped in together. Okay? And that's what he's saying there. I'll give you one example. Of brain. It's, and it doesn't have to be. Maybe you're not a Plutius Christian, but I, dare I say, you want some more joy? Start giving away what you do have. Brandy and I, one time, I'll just give you one example because we've got to move on. And uh, there was this lady. Uh, oh, by the way, when the Bible says, you know what? When you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Right? You know what I'm saying? I'm not against necessarily like fundraising campaigns to a certain extent, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Okay? But you know what? In essence, if all Christians gave like we're supposed to give, would we even have to do those things? No. Okay, and certainly if you are going to do something like that and you do say, and if God's given you a, a, as a Plusios Christian, don't sit there and demand with all due respect that you got to have your name on the back of that pew because you bought that pew or now you have to have a statue out front of, you know, you because, excuse me, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. If you give it, God says he'll reward you in secret, right? Just keep it anonymous. Anyway, that's what we did this one time. We knew this lady, elderly widow, and she was hurting big time for food, Right? And, uh, and so Brandy, we didn't announce to the church, hey, this week, here's what we're going to do for this lady, right? Nothing, right? We just felt prompted of God, right? So we loaded up a couple big giant boxes full of food, man. I mean, all kinds of stuff, meat, can, dry goods, all kinds of stuff, you name it. Big old, big old fat turkey, man, and a whole nine yards, man. It was, it was awesome. And so uh, part of it, the reason why we wanted to keep it secret is because that's biblical. Uh, number two is because she was just kind of person that she's always used to taking care of herself, but she wasn't going to ask. Right? And so we just want to be a blessing to her. We felt prompted. We got, go, go give. Go give. And we pulled up. And first I was going to pull. I go, oh, no, can't pull in front of her house because then she'll see us. Right? And so we pulled off. I was like a block away or something. Whatever. And so, and so all of a sudden it was like we're, we're like teenagers again, man, in high school. Uh, you know, playing that trick on people. You know, ring the doorbell and run. And so we're laughing, giggling, hoping nobody can see us, you know. This food, and of course, we gave her lots of food, so it was heavy. So we're trying to take this thing, laughing, giggling, trying not to be seen uh, to this lady's house, and the food's falling out, and it's heavy, you know, because we gave her a bunch, you know, a couple of boxes and sacks and stuff like that. And so we're, because we know we got one shot at it. And so we get up there, and she's got this wooden porch, making all this noise, whatever. We just hurry up and put it on the porch, and ding dong, and we run away. We're laughing so stinking hard now. <laughs> we get in the car, right? We, still to this day, that one event brings me joy. Just even recounting that, we laughed. Oh, that was cool. And you know what, that Sunday she gets and she goes, you guys won't believe it. She gave a test. What do you say? Bring thanksgiving to God. Remember the text, 2 Corinthians? It brings thanksgiving to God. We didn't want the credit for it. We did it in secret. And, and she said, you won't believe this. All of a sudden, my doorbell rang. I opened the door. Nobody was there, but there was sacks and bags and boxes full of food and, and God. And everybody's, yeah, praise God. And it encouraged the other people going like, yes, God knows. God will provide. If he puts you in that position as a Plusios Christian, don't sit on it. <laughs> it's more blessed to give. And I think that God, as he says, I'm going to keep. In fact, if you start doing that, I'm going to make sure you got a whole bunch more coming because now you're getting into the reason why I made you that way in the first place because I want you to be that channel of blessing. I'll make sure you don't run out because I finally found a Christian who knows why I'm doing this in the first place. You get the side benefit of it. You're blessed Makarios. You get that spiritually prosperous joy. Okay? Okay? Let me give you one story uh, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, here's what this guy says. He's, you can really make a big difference uh, in God's name. Uh, one day there's this uh, Christian doctor uh, he was asked by his patient what he'd done during the past week. And this was his reply. He said, on Monday, I preached the gospel in Brazil. On uh, Tuesday, I ministered among the Mexicans in southwest uh, Texas. On Wednesday, I operated on patients in a hospital in Africa. Uh, Thursday, I taught uh, in a mission school in Japan. 
Friday, I helped establish a new church in California. And Saturday, I taught classes in our seminaries. And finally, on Sunday, I distributed Bibles in Korea. And the guy says, <laughs> the patient said, what? How in the world can you be in so many places doing so many different things? And the doctor replied, I wasn't. But you see, I hold the dollars God enabled me to earn. And some of them have been channeled into the places of need. I just mentioned. I got to thinking about this. And again, I want to take it even beyond as we go beyond just the treasure. I mean, the text is plusias, it's wealth. Okay? But I think God gives us wealth also in different facets. But listen to this. Think about this. Think if we would all be responsible with the wealth that God's given us, not just money. Listen to this. If each of us here today, I'm not even talking about the whole congregation, just us in this room, gave of our tongue to God and invited just one person a week, just in this room, and did that every day for a whole year, just one year. You know what an impact it would make, not just in this community, but around Las Vegas? I'm not even talking the whole congregation. I'm just talking us here in the room for Sunday school. If each of us did give of our treasure on a regular basis, with a cheerful heart, not under compulsion, but we're excited that God could use this, like that Christian doctor, for a multitude of needs to give him thanksgiving and glory and honor. Do you realize that we would never have a financial problem here and we would have so much abundant flowing over that we would sit there and rack our brains with joy going, what else? How else can we give it away? How else could we share the gospel? How else can we impact this world for Jesus? Do you realize that each of us, if we would give of our time and of our talents to the service of God, we would never have a vacancy problem? We would have so many volunteers coming out of our ears that souls would be getting saved right and left. And did you know that I actually had the privilege of being a part of a church that did just that? I actually saw a church that did this. They were so abundantly supplied by faithful Christians that even when it came, not just with treasure, but even when it came to time and talents, when I tried to find, because I needed a place to serve to fulfill the requirements for Bible college. I needed an internship. Did you know the, they were so well not just staffed, but with volunteers. The only place that I could find a place to serve in that church was I was a third string Awana helper. Third string. I'm not just saying Awana helper, all things are covered. I was third string, which meant I pretty much sat there because everybody got into it. They wanted to work together, be responsible, and man, were they blessed. That was a blessing to be a part of that. They were spiritually prosperous. And that's what he says. And you will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. You stood the test. Okay? For the poor, keep in mind what Thomas Watson said. Whatever trouble in this life a child of God meets with, it is all the hell he shall ever have. Did you know that? As a born-again Christian, no matter what your economic status is, at least be thankful for this. Our time here on earth, if you will, is the only hell we will ever know. The sad thing is, for those who don't know Jesus Christ, this is the only heaven, this time on earth, that they will ever know. Because they're headed to hell. But for the rich, the opportunity he sent is you need to be responsible, if you will, bring a little heaven, give glory and thanks to God, okay, while you're here on earth, uh, so that souls... Uh, for the kingdom, can join you one day in heaven. And so whether you're rich, whether you're poor, if you look at it as you're supposed to be, you're going to be blessed. And ultimately, as a born-again Christian, rich or poor, it doesn't matter. You do what God's called you to do. You passed the test. You stood the test. You're a true born-again Christian. Nothing could take away your joy for Jesus Christ. And your ultimate reward is he's going to give you a crown of life that will last forever. Wouldn't it be neat not only at the Bema seat judgment of Jesus Christ, to just get a crown. But wouldn't it be neat that if we could, Revelation 4, flip those crowns right back at his feet and say thank you, but also wouldn't it be neat to get there with some treasure to put at his feet? Because we took our time here storing it up there, not down here. And wouldn't it be neat if there were people following us, if you will, in a train of souls upon the thousands and thousands, if not millions, that got saved because we did what James says to do.
Don't think that even your status cannot bring you joy. He makes purpose out of everything you go through. And no matter what economic status you find yourself in, you can still have continual joy if you do it God's way. And you can still be that positive advertisement for Jesus Christ. Be blessed. Amen? All right. Lord willing, next week we are in the second acid test. How do you deal with temptation? Believe it or not, how you deal with temptation can very well also tell, are you true or are you fake? We'll get to that, Lord willing, next time. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though he already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one says this, you shall not bear false witness. Okay, that's called lying. Okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar. Okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal. Okay, uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right. And it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included and that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. E for instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, they, they cannot reverse it. The, the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor, would grant them a pardon. 
Now, they didn't earn it. Uh, they certainly don't deserve it. And there's nothing they could do uh, to earn it because nothing can reverse their crime. Okay? Yet the one in authority has that ability to grant them a pardon. Well, can I tell you something? That's what God has done through Jesus Christ. The cross was the death penalty of the day. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross, to take the death penalty in our place, and that if we would just receive his pardon for all of our sins, God is willing to allow us to get off a death row. He's willing to forgive us completely of all of our sins. That's the good news that I want to share with you. God loves you. The Bible says that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Won't you, if that's you, call upon the name of Jesus Christ right now? Won't you ask him to forgive you of your sins? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Won't you do that now, wherever you are? Please, take God up on his amazing, loving offer. I'll let you down. Man will let you down. People will let you down. But God never will. He wants to adopt you into his forever family. He loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done, past, present, and future. It's amazing. Please, call upon Jesus now. Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church. If there's anything that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Our number and information will come up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.